Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Cool. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2. If you were here last week, you'll know that I started a little mini-series looking at the church and how the church first got started. And I uh, called it the prototype church because it's like when you, you first build one and you kind of get that one right and it works, then the idea is now I've done the prototype, now we can make others that are like that. And so God built the first church and um, he designed it and he made it work the way he wanted it to work so that what we can now do is we can look at what he did then and we can compare if you like well what's happening now and we can say well actually maybe that bit isn't working right because it's not working like this and um, so this is how we uh, this is what we're looking at and the, and the prototype church changed the world it, it, you know it, it can within 300 years we said last year it went from just a handful of people to taking over and um, uh, you know making a massive impact on the whole world and um, so it's interesting for us to be able to look at that and look at it right at the start of how it all got started so I'm just going to read and follow on if you want to you can listen to the podcast from last week if you missed that um, I think it's even on the Facebook Live um, page. I don't know how long they stay for, but you can watch that if you want to. But I'm going to carry on looking at this because the Holy Spirit was poured out on this group of people. And uh, we said last week that it was all kinds of nations that were gathered there from all over the world who happened to be in Jerusalem for this feast called Pentecost, which was like this Jewish uh, celebration. Um, and then everybody started to hear the glory of God being spoken in their own language in ways that they could understand. And, um, and people were amazed, it says. So this is from uh, Acts 2, I'll start from verse 12. People stood there, it's like the crowd, were amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning, much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful wonders, miracles and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death, raised him back to life for death could not keep its grip on him. King David said this about him, I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. He's right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. 
for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave you've shown me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence and then he continues to talk to each about what David taught about and then he says God raised Jesus from the dead and we are witnesses of this now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand and the father as he promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour upon us just as you see and hear today and then he talks again about David and so it says Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles what should we do brothers Peter replied each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this promise is for you for your children and for all who are far away all who've been called by the Lord our God and then Peter continued preaching for a long time strongly urging all his listeners save yourselves from this corrupt and crooked generation and those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all so it's a pretty good day to start a church and um I just want to start to unpack this and to think about what it is that what was happening in that church and what was going right and then effectively for us to look at what happens in church these days and say well what's going wrong at times with, with, with church what can go wrong and the second thing that I notice as I look at the prototype church you were here last week I talked about that first church was a supernatural church and the next thing I want us to focus on this is, is, is to, to quote the words of a church leader many years ago called John Wimber he said this was a church where everyone gets to play everybody gets to play John Wimber would sometimes rather than being the great anointed speaker and healing person who was praying for healing for everybody which he was he would also get up the children and get the children up on the front and he'd say right the kids are going to play the kids are going to pray the kids are going to do the miracles the kids are going to do that and then, and then the kids would do that and people would be healed because it was God who was doing the healing not anybody else through them and the kids would just believe in that and then he would say see everyone gets to play that's what it's meant to be like it's not just you've got some anointed person up the front who's doing it and everybody gets to watch no everyone gets to play everyone gets to participate everybody gets to proclaim God's goodness but the number one trap of leadership and this happens too much in church is where you have one person often somebody like me somebody who has a title perhaps that people want to know like the pastor who tries to do it all that's a recipe for disaster but I know the danger of that because I've been that guy I'm I, all too often I can default to trying to be that guy because it's the temptation is to do everything yourself try and get everything done yourself especially when that's the way you were trained when you went to theological college and then uh, after you know because they make you a vicar or whatever and they give you a collar and they make you the, the focal point of what's going on and um, then you know when you start off you kind of think well if it's going to happen it's down to me I'm gonna to have to make it happen and there's this thing that he's doing and there's that thing that he's doing so somebody's got to do it and there's not many of us <laughs> so I'm gonna to have to go and do that and uh, and it sounds pretty heroic you can look quite heroic to serve and serve and do this and do this and lead that and lead this uh, to do the work of ten men if you like and um, but I found I, I can't even do the work of two men and if I try and do the work of two men usually they're Laurel and Hardy it's better to put 10 people to work than to try to do the work of 10 people. 
And we're looking, as I say, in this book of Acts and we see that they did it differently there. Because uh, this was a church where there were no spectators. God wants everybody to be a participant. He wants everybody involved. That's the whole, that's the aim. The whole body moving. Not just one part or a couple of parts. The whole body moving. So please stand up. Have a little stretch. If there were less of you, what I'd do is say, come on up here and everybody stand on here. <laughs> but it takes a lot of time to do that. So just imagine, you, you, everybody's up on here. Cause it, and then it kind of breaks down a little bit because it isn't as if the only ministry that matters is what matters up here. But what I would want you to do is get this sense that actually, it, you know, ministry happens and it's us. It's, it's when we get doing our thing, get doing God's thing, then you know God really gets to do his thing because everybody's doing it and that's what he really wants there's no spectators there's no audience it's all army if you like so have a little stretch and then high five at least one person and take a seat wow some people really went for that yeah that was loud okay see some people have spoken about this they talk about every member ministry but actually the Bible would talk about like every member is a minister. It's not just that you have some people and oh that person is the minister. It's a totally unbiblical idea. The Bible picture is every member of the body of Christ has a ministry, does service and therefore is a minister. Some people call it the priesthood of all believers. This idea that every, everybody gets to represent Jesus and to be able to do the stuff that he called us to do not just certain people and that when you utilize your gifts in the church and from the church and out in the world in all those different ways then everybody gets to see who Jesus really is because if you say well I became a Christian you know you got saved or whatever but if you don't find out what you're saved for what's the point really it's like you know you might as well have just died and gone to heaven then aren't you really I mean nobody's going to it's a terrible evangelistic strategy that you basically as soon as somebody becomes a Christian you say right now you're dead but it's like you know, if, if that's if that's it what's, what's the point of it but the idea is we're saved for some things the Bible says that God has, has prepared good works in advance that you should walk in them there's things that God wants you to do and if you don't do them I don't know who's going to do them he wants you to be able to do them. He doesn't want me to do them. He doesn't want the person sitting next to you to do them. He's got some things for you to do. So in the Church of Acts, and it really is a church that acts, everybody is involved. Everybody gets to play. All ages, both genders. Remember we said last time, it's multicultural. That's how it got started at the day of Pentecost so when we carry on and we look at this passage we see from Acts 2.14 we hear Peter stepping up and doing his, his message we have a photograph here taken at the time and he's going to explain what's happening to all the people there's thousands of them that they're in the city that are gathered around they're all like what's going on huge crowd and, and it's because as we said last week they heard the sound of this mighty rushing wind and then they had the sight of these people that were like you know, flames of fire were coming on all the heads and then there's this speech that they can hear God in their own language and in ways that they could understand and they're all drawn by this amazing thing that's happening in this group of people but then there's other people who look at it and this always happens some people go wow that's amazing other people go ah, it's just craziness 
Just, they're all bonkers. You know? Some, somebody says they've had too much wine. That's all it is. They're laughing at them. And that can happen, actually, because I don't know what's going on here, but there's something about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit that can sometimes happen. And so Peter says to them, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. He doesn't say they're not drunk. Because maybe they look. Why would he say they're not drunk as you suppose? Why would he say that? Do you think they could look like they were drunk? Do you think some of them would look like they were drunk and that would be why he was saying that? You know, they're not in control like that. And, and this can freak us out because we pray for revival, but when the Holy Spirit comes sometimes, that's really messy. It messes up the status quo of neat and tidy and things the way that we like it. And revival disrupts religion. Revival disrupts routines. The Spirit shakes up the status quo when he comes in power when he's strongly the word is manifest all kinds of things can happen you never know what's going to happen and the Holy Spirit comes in power I remember being in a meeting years ago the first church that I was in uh, in ministry like as a, as a paid person I was totally learning and we had this guy who came over from America and he spoke in the morning and he was like a really good Bible teaching and I was loving it all I said to Zoe she was at work I said you've got to hear this guy in the evening he's like really lucid and clear he, he just really breaks it down in ways I can understand it and then, and then in the evening he came and he got up and he stood there and I remember him coming up and he looked a bit like this I was thinking is he alright? Don't look all right. And then he stood there and then he went and didn't say a word. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. And then he, I was like thinking, is he, is he physically, is he all right? And then the vicar, because I wasn't the vicar, I was like his helper. The vicar started to get up and go towards him. And then the vicar started to slow down and walk really slow. And then as he got near to him, he ended up just on his knees and then on the floor. And nobody's even said anything. We just had the worship. And I'm like, oh, they didn't teach me how to do this at Theological College. I don't know what is going on here. And then, some, then I said to the worship leader, get up, do something. So, so he got up with his guitar and he started walking to the stage. And then he stopped. And then he was like... And he's down there too. And I'm like, what is God? This is not good. I thought, I'm going to have to take control. I'm going to have to do something. So I started to walk up. And literally, I can't describe. It was like there was this thick cloud, invisible thing of gravity times a hundred of the presence of God. And as I stepped closer to the front it was like oh, oh and I thought oh I'm not going there <laughs> and I stepped back because I thought if I carry on going forward I'm going to be like them it wasn't it wasn't neat it wasn't tidy but then after a bit this guy kind of came out of it and he started to say stuff to people that he'd heard in this time that nobody could know but he would like know people and he would say you three you all came here together you drove in the same car you came from Cornwall to be here tonight you've come a long way and that's good because the one on the end 
Yes, you. You've been saying in the car all the way here, you don't even believe in God. You don't know why you're coming here. But God wants to meet you. And that's why you're here tonight. And he's like, and I'm thinking, oh, that's far too specific. (laughs) You know, just sort of do some like, God loves you, everything's nice, and a picture of a rainbow and a reindeer or something. But it's like, wow. And then we have a friend, Penny, and he says, you, Penny, and I know Penny, he says, Penny, he says, sometimes you come up here and you sing when there's nobody else here, when the church is empty, you love to sing, but you're not confident enough to sing in front of other people, but I need you to know, God needs you to know, he loves it when you sing. One day you're going to sing in front of loads of people, and you're going to know Jesus like your grandmother knew Jesus. But she couldn't tell anybody else except you, because you were a little girl. And you would understand. And afterwards, we all we all were like, oh. I mean, this is the kind of thing that was coming out. And then he said, now, if anything that I said, I want you to come and talk about it. I want you to feel that you can come up and ask me about it or ask the other. I remember I went to Penny, and, and she was in bits. She was crying. She was like, I don't know how, I don't know what that's about. But as he said it I mean this lady in the 50s she said I remembered being a little girl and going to see my nana before she died and standing there and, and, and I said to her nana are you going to die and she said yeah but it's okay because Jesus comes Penny and he stands at the foot of my bed and he tells me that he loves me and he's going to take me to be with him and I can't tell anybody else except you because you're a little girl And I'm amazed by that, but we shouldn't be amazed by that because our God is real. And he knows. Um, and Now, can you understand how being in that kind of atmosphere, because to be honest with you, that church at that time, there was a move of God. And it spoiled me rotten. It raised my level of expectation for what God can do and what God should do like way up there and there's been times over the years when I've, I've just longed for more and more and more of that and I'm willing to put up with some of the mess because we had some messy stuff go on too for that kind of power and life change and God's in the house and you never really know what's going to happen and what he's going to do I saw, I saw a woman pull that well no stand out of a wheelchair she was blind, she was registered blind, she could see. She asked for a Bible and read from it. She had three cancerous tumours on her spine. She stood up. Next week she came and she pushed her own wheelchair down the aisle and gave everybody the testimony. I'm like, I want some of that. I want some of that. And there's been things I've seen over the years, but there's this longing. And I believe, I believe the reason we've got this longing is because that's how it should be. That's, how it, that's really how it should be, isn't it? Because re- I read this book and I see how it was and I'm like, I want it to be like it was. I, don't wa- I just want it to be like it is. I want it to be like it was. Now, let your kingdom come here on the earth. Jesus gave us permission to be able to pray for this kind of thing to be the norm for us, not just the amazing. It is always going to be amazing. But we should raise our expectation about this. But again, like when this happens, it freaks people out. I'll be honest, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, I've been in meetings sometimes, it freaks me out. Zoe, my wife, is way more comfortable with all this stuff than I am. She's like, she loves it. You know, if people start, and she's shaking, I look, and like, Zoe's 
shaking. I'm like, oh, stop shaking. And then like, people are falling over. So he's like going on. I'm like, no, don't do that. And then, and then and she's down on the floor somewhere and I'm like kicking her under chairs so nobody can see. You're just sort of rolling her over and putting a blanket over her. Because so, I'm like, oh, oh, stop that. You know, over here, hallelujah. Yeah. And because I like control. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you get people trembling and falling and flailing about and laughing hysterically and shouting or crying out and people looking like they're drunk that's what happened then people look like they're drunk people go into like a trance thing and, and it's like what's going on with that I just thought we we're going to come and sing some songs and go home but no there's people like and, and actually then I look back and this isn't just like it happened then it, you look through the history of the church the history of what's called revivals and you see these kind of things have happened a lot over the years it's like God sends a big wave and when he sends a big wave you get people thrashing about in that thing you get people you know you, you look at the history and you, you can see all around the world when the spirit comes in power you people are reporting there's people over here crying and somebody else over here saying they've been healed and somebody's shaking and somebody else is dancing and somebody's jogging on the spot or something and you know I've seen people jerking and I've seen people weeping on the carpet and all kinds of craziness going on and you know, you're looking, John Wesley, we all celebrate John Wesley and if you're a Methodist, you know who he is for certainly. And you know, he went all over the way and he preached out on the streets because they threw him out of the churches. Why did they throw him out of the churches? Well, a big part of it was because it wasn't, as far as they were concerned, all very decent and in order, the kind of stuff that he was doing. He would preach and people would, would fall over, people would weep and cry and he's, all kinds of weird stuff you read his journals he says after preaching in one meeting we then called upon God to confirm his words this is after he preached immediately one that stood by to no small surprise of ours cried out aloud even as in the agonies of death soon after two other people were seized with strong pain and constrained to roar for the disquietness of their heart a few days later at the weaver's hall a young man was suddenly seized with a violent trembling all over in a few minutes the sorrows of his heart were enlarged and he sunk down to the ground you look through his journals you can see these kind of things happening when he's preaching people coming out of the pits with you know he would talk about because they'd been in the pits they were covered and they were all in you know in the coal and black and they would cry and there were streaks coming down their faces tracks of these tears coming down as they heard the gospel as responding with passion it says during the sermon immediately one and another and another sunk to the earth they dropped on every side as though thunderstruck that's a preach something going on there and then when we look at these things it isn't about these things it's about what they're pointing to it's about who they're connecting us to so it isn't like we just focus on them see in the, in the, in the days of Pentecost when that happened people looked at that and they said oh these people are drunk well how did they know that they were drunk what did they look like because when I was in the police I was an expert on drunk I don't mean necessarily because I used to drink then although I did it was actually you might not know this in English law the one thing that police officers are experts in is whether or not a person is drunk you can give I, I could give as a police officer expert testimony be called as an expert witness to testify that that person was drunk and I was standing there and it was proved you know, I was to say well I spoke to him and I could say that his eyes were glazed and he, he was unsteady on his feet and his words were mumbling and his breath smelt heavily of intoxicants he was he was drunk your worship and he was drunk because I was an expert in drunk 
I remember I arrested one bloke and I said that to him and told him, I said, you, you arrested him for drunkenness? And he said, I am not drunk. I am an innocent stiebander. <laughs> but the whole point of this is not that we're looking for th- those things. We're looking for God, aren't we? We're looking for him to revive us. We're looking for him to stir us up. We're looking for him to shake us up. And I believe revival's coming. I believe we're living in days when we're going to see the biggest revival that's ever been seen in the whole of history. I believe we're going to live through that. Some of us are really going to see this. My wife Zoe dreamed about it a few years ago and she saw this incredible wave that was going to come and crash completely over the, over the British Isles and, and everything will be changed. That's the thing with it. It's what's after the wave. It's the change that's come after God's done something that matters. And she was told in the end of this dream, and, and you'll see this and your grandchildren will see this. See, it's not, it's not, you see, you read about these things, and I love to read about them. You see a wave of the Spirit comes, and it's various times you can read about this, whether it's here in Britain, you can read about what happened, went through St. Patrick in Ireland. It was a revival. You can see the Cornish revival. You can see the Hebridean revival, the Welsh revival. Or you, you look in other parts of the world, the Great Awakenings under Whitfield and Wesley and Jonathan Edwards, or the Moravians in Germany, and there's a revival that came in Jamaica, there's another one in Korea, there's another one in East Africa. And you read about D.L. Moody's ministry, he comes across from America and, and to here, and there's revivals, Cambridge University. The guy who started this church was converted when D.L. Moody came there. It, this is a church born out of a revival, effectively. But you don't judge you by what you can see, what's going on, the manifestations and the shaking and all that. It's, it's what happens in a person, not to a person. It's then what happens through the person. It's not whether you fall down or whether you stand up or whatever. It's about how you walk it out, how we live it out, and the difference that we make in the power of the Spirit out there. And what you see, when it's genuinely God, you see salvation happens. People get saved most incredible stories of people way far from God just converted I remember hearing a story about one guy in a church and and people were worshipping this was like the guy who, who told his wife she would, he forbid her to go to church uh, this was in the Welsh revival when all this craziness was happening as far as he was concerned and he forbid her and he used to beat her and she went anyway and then everybody was amazed during the service when he came to come and drag his wife out of that place. It, when he, they were just giving the altar call and doors opened and he came and he stood on the pew and walked across every pew in like just grabbed in like a tractor beam by God to come down to the front. I mean, walked across the tops of all the pews and then fall on his face at the front of the church and give his life to Jesus Christ. That's a God move. That's what we need. That's what we need. You see, the furthest away coming home, you see somebody who's been sitting around boarding church for years suddenly gets fired up with passion for Jesus. You hear a new sound in worship, you get a new fire in the preaching, whoever's speaking, because it isn't about how good the speaker is, it's about how great God is. And so you're hearing these revival stories like nine-year-old girls get up and give the most amazing sermon. And everybody's like, wow. Not, isn't it a great preacher, but isn't God great? Isn't God real? Isn't God powerful? Isn't God here? 
You see a new reconciliation between people. Forgiveness coming. You see races coming together. You get people get a desire to give, to expend themselves on behalf of the poor, to go to other nations and go and preach the gospel there if they need to. You you get a, a stronger, more fervent, fiery love for God. You have to kind of shut the church doors to keep the people out because people just want to come in and pray all the time. So, so as I say, it's not about whether somebody lies on the floor or falls on the floor or not at all. It doesn't matter. Not interested. It doesn't matter whether they lie down or whether you stand up or whatever. You know, during the time of something that they called years ago the Toronto Blessing, I don't know if you've heard of that, but people were writing all kinds of books and things and saying, well, it's not godly because it's not right because they, they fall on the floor on their, you know, on their backs. And if you're going to fall on before God in the Bible, people only fall on their faces. And that's all right. You can fall on your face, but you can't fall on your back. People actually said this. But then look in the Bible. You go about Ezekiel. He spent months on one side and then he turned over and did the other side. It's like, do we have to do that? It's not about how you lie down, it's how you get up. And, and what happened when you're down there? And did you connect with God? And did you repent of your sins for the things that you needed to change? And, and did you renew your love for him? And say, I'm going to put you first. And did you recommit to lay your life down wherever he sends you and do whatever he tells you? See, as I say, I, the thing in Colompton was happening around the time of that stuff that was called the Toronto Blessing and we were only just getting the spray off it but we saw incredible things taking place and it gave me this longing and so over the years I'm like I'm hungry for that kind of thing and so I and you hear about it I never got to go didn't have the money but they hear this thing that's happening at a place called Brownsville and people are saying this kind of thing's happening there and then 10 years ago about now I heard about this thing that was happening in a place called Lakeland in Florida and something else had happened in somewhere else called Pensacola before that and there was people were saying this amazing move of God and I was like I'd said if I could ever get to go I'd want to go because I didn't want to just read about it and hear about it all the time I'd like go I'd, I'd do it so I ended up I just had the amount of money it was amazing to be able to go before I came here and I took Emma and Hannah my daughters sorry Joel he's sitting there he was too young but took them with me and I kind of figured you know what if this isn't real if it isn't God well we're in Florida so it's fine we'll have a great time but I got and I remember walking into this place and the presence of God was so powerful so thick so strong in this room and everybody knew it and I knew it and I've nobody was manufacturing it yeah there's some people up the front who were leading worship and somebody was getting up and, and speaking about it and, and, and within a few, few months the whole thing came crashing down and was a mess because we're not much good at handling much power unfortunately but I saw people with my own eyes getting up and pulling oxygen masks off who'd been carried in by their relatives. I saw people one after another after another talking about the healing that had happened in their bodies. There was like a queue of people. And this was going on day after day and night after night. And it was like, I want some of that. I want a lot of that, in fact. I want a lot of heaven here on earth. And, we, and it only really happens when you've got to pray with passion and yeah we get scared about emotionalism and all of those kind of things but actually the prayer that they taught us to pray during those time all those years ago was this a pretty simple one more Lord whatever you're doing more all the good stuff more Lord more of you 
more of your power, more of your presence, more of your glory, more of you. Less of us, but more, more, more of you. It's a really simple prayer. More, Lord, more, Lord. I remember hearing, a friend of mine did get to go to the Toronto stuff, and he said that there was, that's the, there was the prayer everybody was praying, but there was this other guy who, who told me about it. He said he would go there night after night, and he was just, in the middle of all the worship, there was this one guy who was standing there, and he'd just be like this over and over, just going, looking up and going, Big God! Big God! And he was like, that's what he was seeing. Big God! You've got to have a big God if you're going to see more. We've got to get a, we've got to get a bigger vision of who God is and what he can do. And pray more, Lord. We're going to finish that in a minute. We're going to, I'm going to, I've got a lot more teaching and I've got time to do it because I've been having fun instead. But Rick Warren in the Purpose Driven Church says, Revival is like waves on the ocean. And you can't, you know, you, you can get, you're never going to go to, you can, you can go and learn how to surf, can't you? You could go and get lessons on how to, you know, stand on the board and how to position it and all those kind of things, how to catch a wave, how to ride a wave. But nobody ever gave lessons on how to create a wave. Because that is God's job. But our job is to position ourselves to be ready to be looking to be saying okay and not just to get wiped out by it but to be ready and what's going on here I think is just these people beginning to position themselves more and more and saying God whatever you want to do is good with me because you're a big God I'm going to trust you that that the power and the presence of God in a place are going to make such an incredible difference that even if there's some messy stuff going on with it, we're willing to have that because we're not willing to just have powerless church ticking over and repeating what we did last week. We want more. I mean, isn't it? You shouldn't go. You should go without saying. Say we want more God in church. <laughs> We want more of the Holy Spirit in the church. So I, I want to make some time for that. So please stand up. If I'm going to come up, we're just going to... Um, I just encourage you to um, trust God enough to pray that prayer yourself. Just more, Lord. Lord, we heard last week about the supernatural outpouring of your Holy Spirit that started on that first day of Pentecost and Lord Holy Spirit you've not stopped you're still here you're, you're here but as we sang before let us become more aware of your presence we sometimes sing that song more of you Lord in this place the things that we've heard about the things that we've read about some of us the things that we long for Lord, they're all about more of you Just close your eyes and focus a minute. Just breathe in something of the presence of God in this place. We ask, Lord, that you'd come now and, and connect with us.
Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.